Welcome to the Lead Her Ship podcast with your host, Meredith Franklin. Join me every week as I interview different women who share their stories of success through failure. We will be giving valuable tips on relationships, business, health, mindset, and more to help you lead the life you deserve. I'm so excited you're here. Let's jump in. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our guest today is Lindsay Schwartz. She's an entrepreneur, a top podcast host, and a best selling author. As a sought after speaker, Lindsay travels around the world inspiring women to get out of their own way and into action around their big ideas and helping them create the careers they've always dreamed of. After seeing numerous women in her life stop short, of pursuing their own entrepreneurial dreams because of fear and self-doubt, she saw the need for more honest conversation about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship in order to show women that they don't have to have it all together to get started. From there, the Powerhouse Women community, an annual event, and podcasts were born with the motto that we're not meant to do business or life alone. You guys, our guest today is a friend of mine who I've known for probably six years now. We met at one of our company's events and right off the bat, I was inspired by her and knew I had to meet her and be her friend. She's someone who's always setting the bar higher and higher for herself. And I want to be surrounded by that energy and just rubbing shoulders with her. She's always up for a chat to share with me all of her behind the scenes tips, screw ups and secrets. And I'm so excited for you guys to be here on this conversation today because you're going to get just that. So welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I'm so... (laughs) This is just so much fun. I know. I'm so pumped that you're here. Like I couldn't interview you quick enough. I'm so glad that our schedules finally aligned and I'm excited to just jump in and share all these little things with all the listeners today. Me too. So let's do this. Yay. Okay, girl. So there's a lot of girls, women listening who've got to hear how you've accomplished so much at such a young age. So why don't you kind of share with us where this desire started to write a book and kind of like the ups and downs of how that all got going? Well, first of all, thanks for saying that I'm young new best friend forever. It's funny because when I really look back, I feel like my life was on hold until about three years ago. And I was the one putting it on hold. I was playing small. I was giving maybe 60 to 70% of my full potential because I was afraid. I was afraid of what people were going to think of me. I was afraid of judgment, afraid of criticism. And so I just constructed this like perfect little life where I didn't ever have to get too uncomfortable. And even when I did get uncomfortable, it was in a calculated way. Like I would get uncomfortable to the point that I was like, I probably can still achieve that goal without really having to try. And it was exhausting. It's exhausting to wake up and realize you are meant for more and to know that you're not giving your all to this purpose, to this feeling inside that you could really make a bigger impact. But I think we all have a little bit of that imposter syndrome, like who am I to make a difference? What have I achieved? Who's going to listen to me? And that was really what ran through my mind on a daily basis. So even though on the surface I had had success, you know, had built a network marketing business, had left my corporate job, you know, had achieved like titles and recognition, I knew deep down that there was more and that it was really like this surface level version of success that wasn't at the end of the day all that satisfying because I knew that I had so much more to give. And I remember at the beginning of 2016, getting to this point where I was like, I am so restless. What is next? What is my bigger purpose? And I decided to go back to the one thing that I knew had had really kind of even started this whole entrepreneurial journey for me, which was personal development. And I have, I still have it saved. I will never delete it. I have this document on my computer that says a book a week 
in 2016. So my goal was just dive back in and read, start and finish reading a book every single week in 2016. Spoiler alert, I didn't do that. So what happened though is I set the goal to start and finish reading more books just to really flood my mind with evidence for how capable I really was to do bigger things. And a few weeks in, I did finish like two books, I'm pretty sure. But a few weeks in, the last thing I ever thought happened, and I decided to write a book. That is never something that was on my radar, never something I even considered doing. And it all goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, that fear of putting myself out there. I actually had, because you and I were in a health and fitness company together, I had a health and fitness blog for three years. And in online marketing, they say publish consistent content and be putting yourself out there. Well, I did. I consistently put out one article per year. And it was all because I was so petrified of someone actually reading something that I wrote and having an opinion about it. So I barely did the minimum. So when a woman approached me and said, hey, a book could be a really great way to establish yourself as an expert in health and fitness. I was like, what are you smoking? Like, what makes you think I could ever write a book? And then through this conversation, it was the first time I opened up and said, you know what? If I ever did, which I still was like, hell no, I would want to talk about something different. And it was weird. It was this, you know, I think when we open our minds to bigger possibilities, new ideas that maybe we've never even thought out loud start to come. And, you know, in this conversation with her, it really started to open up this pathway to making a bigger impact. And so what I shared with her and what I was noticing was so many women around me were seeing the social media version of this, you know, on the surface success. They didn't see the ugly tears of how uncomfortable I was, like going to my first networking meetings and having to stand up and like sell myself and, and say what I did. They didn't see the nights that I would stay up working until 11 PM, really working to build this brand no one sees like how uncomfortable the beginning is. And I, so I said to her, I think we just need to be sharing more of that. I think people need to know that I'm still uncomfortable every day. I still don't know what I'm doing. That's exactly what it feels like to be an entrepreneur. Cause I saw too many women with brilliant ideas share in the very next breath, how they didn't feel ready, how they didn't feel like they were enough or that they didn't have anything to offer. And I was like, dang, we got to be letting people know that that is, that's exactly how you know you're going in the right direction. If you feel freaked out, if you kind of want to puke, that's usually the indication that you're onto something good. And so for the first time in my adult life, I said yes to something that I had no evidence I was going to be good at. And it took a year of working on this book to actually finish it. And that's a whole story in itself. But making that decision to finally go all in and challenge myself changed my life. Yeah. And I think that it's honestly, it can be even that journey that God wants to take you through to refine you, but it's that imposter syndrome, that self doubt and all that stuff. That's going to stop you from that growth of just what you need to become who you're supposed to be. But we gosh, how many times have you said to yourself, like that's been done with whatever it may be, a book, an event, a blog, whatever, it doesn't even matter what it is, but we continually tell ourselves, no one's going to listen to it. No one's going to read it instead of, you know what? Like, let's just step out into this. Even if it's messy, even if I don't know what the heck I'm doing, I think that's the most important thing that we can do is launch ourselves into that unknown so that we can become who we're supposed to be along the way. So why don't you share like doing that, finishing that, taking a year, who did you become? What happened? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I saw was part of the reason I felt so stifled and I felt so restless and it wasn't really growing is because when I was setting only the goals that I knew I could achieve, I was literally leaving no room for God to be God. I was trying to control every outcome and trying to make sure that I wasn't ever going to risk failure, which inevitably meant that I, I also wasn't giving myself a chance to grow or be refined or have to rely on my faith. 
So quite literally, I saw God show up maybe for the first time ever. Like I finally allowed space for that. I grew so deeply in my spiritual walk during that time. And what happened on the other side was I saw the actual proof in my life of how much better his plans are for me than mine. And, you know, it still was really uncomfortable. I remember like weeks before the book actually came out, just feeling the biggest physical sensation of anxiety I've ever felt. That's not actually something that I've struggled with in my life, but it was like the first time I felt really impacted by this overwhelming feeling of anxiety at the thought of this book being released into the world. And like my biggest fear was that people would read it. It wasn't that no one would read it or it would totally fail. That would have been fine with me. It was the thought of people actually reading it and having a judgment. And so, you know, surrendering that every single day, he had taken me so far. It was the first time where I was like, well, I have no control over how this turns out. So all that I can do is truly just surrender and, and trust that he's going to take this somewhere I never could. And that lesson has just played over and over and over in my life ever since, because I finally stepped into a place where I was relying on faith, where I wasn't relying on my own human ability to do something. And I think it was just this reminder about, you know, that's the kind of person he really wants to use. He wants to use the person with the willing heart who doesn't have it all figured out because then there's a place for him to show up and actually do his work. If we step into things that we know we're going to just rock at, which is fine if we do, because there's going to be things that he's equipped us for that we're like, okay, I got this. But I grow the most and I change the most in the situations where I'm like, I have no idea if I can actually do this. So here we go, ready or not. And it's given me that confidence to continue stepping into bigger things. Oh my gosh. I love that. But that probably also came with like some things that you feared, which was ridicule or criticism. So did you face any of that? And how did you walk through that? Because launching a podcast too, you know, and you, you obviously you've done that yourself, you know, you're going to get the good and the bad. So how do you walk through that? If you've had any of that, please share, because I know that there's some listeners who are like, <laughs> but I don't want to do that because mm. of what you might hear. But I also want to encourage them that that's, it's okay. So kind of walk us through that. Yeah. It's been a really gradual process. I will say that, you know, the beautiful lesson on the other side is that there was far more praise and gratitude for stepping out and sharing my story than there was criticism. At least people didn't, like, I am not a big enough deal where I have like crazy internet critics. I guess that's how you know you've made it in life is like when you, when you finally have your critics. But you know, everyone was so encouraging when the book came out. And as I started to step into these bigger things, there was feedback about like, I remember when I had my first event, I put out like a survey afterward and some people just like wrote back like kind of snarky comments, but it actually didn't hit me as that they were criticizing me. It started to become very clear who this message he had given me was for and who it wasn't. So just a silly example, like I will never forget this girl who had like kind of become an acquaintance. She like said that she wished the speakers at the event were like more impressive at a point where I stepped back and I was like, wow, you totally don't get what this is about. Cause our whole intention is to show real people doing real things and attainable results. Not someone who's going to stand on stage and like talk about their millions of dollars and how easy it was for them. So I was like, okay, like that was, it came across as criticism, but I, when I really like stood back, I was like, okay, this is just evidence that this isn't going to be for everyone. And like, what a beautiful lesson. But then I think God has really known what I needed in this journey and when, and I was starting to gain this confidence. I was really starting to like feel so clearly what he wanted me to step into. And I'll never forget at the beginning of 2018, praying this specific prayer, and I laugh now, thinking how not ready I was for the answer, but praying this specific prayer, asking him to show me whatever was in the way of him like fully working through my life. And I prayed it so casually as though it was going to be like this simple answer. 
And it honestly came in a form that I was so not ready for. And it forced me to face how deeply my identity was tied to the opinions of others and how this was more than just like fearing criticism. I deeply planned everything in my life around what other people would think of it to the point where I changed who I was to become who people wanted me to be. And so without even really getting, because I want, I want to share this and I want to share it in a way that's not actually about like, no one should feel sorry for me. This was like the biggest gift I've ever been given, but it came in the form of someone who had become a friend really quickly. Now looking back that probably sh there should have been some early warning signs, but someone who seemingly out of nowhere turned to be very critical and very outspoken about how I wasn't who I said I was. I mean, went as far as to like waste, overstep her bounds and say things about how I treat my husband. It came through as like this deeply personal attack on my character. And she was hell bent on other people knowing that I'm not who I say I am. So fast forward to, you know, this, <laughs> this point, you know, a couple months into the new year where I, I didn't know that I could feel pain like that. Now, looking back, it actually seems kind of trivial, but you have to remember, and if some of you are, are in that place where you realize that you are very, very controlled by the opinions of others, this was the deepest pain that I had ever experienced. Number one, that someone misunderstood my character and my intentions, but then was intentionally going around to people that I had introduced her to and spreading lies. But it was interesting in the wake of like this experience, there was this deep knowing that I was supported. And I don't know at what point it occurred to me that like this was actually the answer to what I had asked is, I mean, I was ruined. I was ruined by the thought that one person misunderstood me that much. It hurt my heart. I cried for six months, literally six months straight. But Here's where it brought me to and why this is honestly the biggest gift I've ever been given is because, so when I sat down and I actually played out, okay, how would it look and feel? Because my first reaction was to go and do damage control, to go around to our mutual friends and say, hey, if you hear this about me, you know, this isn't true. But the things that were being said were so outrageous that I think first I had to check in and I had to go, is any of this true? Like if it's really hurting me this much, where is there a seed of truth here? Where have I not been responsible for how I show up with this person? And the truth is when I was willing to look at that question, I changed who I was to be who I thought she wanted. I did that with everyone. People just didn't usually call me on it. So the fact that she had this impression of me that I wasn't who I said I was, there was some truth to it. Because I would always be asking myself the question, okay, who do I need to be for this person to like me? And so I didn't even really know who I was. But then in the wake of that, like, I really just turned it over to God. And I said, like, I, I trust that you're using this in some way to, to refine the woman that I am. And I chose in that moment to surrender all of it meaning I didn't say a word to anyone else. I dealt with it privately. Only my husband knew. And I really allowed God to defend my reputation instead of me taking control of it. Like I fully, I literally like, I'm almost in tears thinking back to it. It was like the first time I ever surrendered my reputation to him. Cause that was, that was the thing that I had everything wrapped up in. So if I didn't have that, I still had him. And I trusted like either my reputation was literally going to crash and burn and that would be for my greatest good. Or what ended up happening was the few people that, you know, this gossip was spread to came back to me and were like, uh, Hey, and I said, yep, I know about it. And I'm just choosing not to directly address it. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. But inevitably, it, you know, it ended up showing more about that person's character than mine. And truly from the bottom of my heart, I know that even what happened was coming from a place of deep hurt and insecurity on their part too. So on the other side, here's like the whole point. I know this is like a very long answer to your question, but 
I really want people to know that like, if this is your biggest fear, the freedom that can be found on the other side is I always had it like, I had to be different. I had to find a way to be more calloused and just not care what people think. And the truth is, is that part of my character is an overwhelming love for people that I can barely like handle it. And that's actually a lot. It's kind of a big responsibility. I don't have a middle ground. I'm like, hey, do you want to be best friends? And here's a key to my house. You're welcome over uninvited. Or we're just like really not in each other's life. I don't really have a lot of like middle ground. And so in the wake of this, it was like, wow, am I going to put myself out there? Am I going to allow people to get close? And it actually brought me to this beautiful place where I was able to see, you know, when I'm in an unhealthy place with the way that I'm wired, it tends to show up with more people pleasing tendencies where I'm putting more value on people's opinions of me than God's, than my own. But when I'm really in a healthy place, the fact that I have this deep care for people is actually my greatest strength. It just also happens to be tied to my greatest weakness if I'm not careful. And if I'm coming from the wrong place, in that characteristic of my personality. So versus I don't love when people are like, you just need to not care what people think. Well, great. You try telling that to someone who's wired like me that it just doesn't exist. So then I always felt like, well, okay, I've got to become less of a people pleaser to ever be successful. But no, like truly in this season, what it showed me was, I mean, my greatest gift is that deep care and love for people. People can feel it when they interact with me. That's why I've been able to build the relationships that I've built. And it doesn't work for me anymore for where I want to go and the woman I want to become. It doesn't work for me to be overrun by the concern for what people are going to think if I do X, Y, or Z. It gave me the freedom to like for the first time in my life, just be me. And actually to step back and be like, I know that person hates my guts. Like, I have my first hater, but I really like me. Like, I actually really like myself. And to just be able to approach the whole situation with love, understanding that to this day, this person really does not care for my existence on this earth. I may not be able to change that, but I really like me. And so that was worth it to go through, even just to come to that point of truly being able to say that. I think that that is so profound. You even saying, can I go to bed with me tonight and like feel good about it? You know, and I read the book, The Four Agreements. Have you read that? I have. Yeah. Long time ago. So there's some things, I mean, I take what you want out of it, but I really received the do not be offended. Like it's your fault if you are offended, like with what they're Mm. feeling, whatever. And that gave me so much freedom. I've walked through some similar things as you, and it would ruin me to the point of like being ill. And once I let go of that person's opinion of me and their expectation of me, which we know makes an ass out of you and me when you like assume things or expect things. So once I let go of those things and really, like you said, you come, okay, Lord, like what's the truth about me? What do you say about me? And you walk in that, that gives you, I mean, so much freedom. And are you a seven on the Enneagram or what are you? I'm actually a nine. Really? a peacemaker, which is totally consistent with being, you know, more of like people pleasing tendencies, but I'm I'm really able to stand in the middle of any opposing ideas and find the middle ground. So even like with this person having this opinion of me, I really worked to find the place of why would she feel that way? Oh, like I, okay. I see how she's wired this way. And the fact that I said this or didn't say this, yeah, of course that would upset her. So it actually like, it helps me come to like, I'm always looking for peace, even within very opposing beliefs, which when I read that, I was like, dang, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, that is so good. I mean, and you're probably an empath too, Mm -hmm. like just with people that is, But I think it's, you walked through that for a reason for your identity. And I would say the number one thing in these interviews with this podcast has been identity Mm -hmm. and like who you are believing you are, what you deserve, your self-worth. And 
not finding your identity in your social media or other people's social media on who you think you're supposed to be and you're supposed to act like, but being you and really going on this journey. It kind of sucked that you did that, but going on this journey to find out who Lindsay is and who your identity is. So through all of that, tell us how then launched your very first event because wasn't it a for your book launch? Yeah. So when you launch a book, like my publisher said, you should have a book launch event. And I am not really crazy about all the attention being on me. So I was like, well, okay, if we're going to have a, an event, it would be cool since this book is about women to like have this conversation live and in person with women. So the book launched in April and it was a few months later that I really saw this vision to take the conversations about getting out of our own way and sharing stories from real women who on the surface, yes, have had success, but are willing to also share about the last time they ugly cried because they were so uncomfortable. And so we had the first ever Powerhouse Women event in 2017. And it was really just meant to be a one-time thing. It was like a half day. We had a hundred women show up, totally blew away my expectations. And after that day, women said, well, when's the next one? And I was like, no, no, this is, this is, there's no next one. This is it. But again, just like going back to the point of this plan was so out of my hands. This was not Lindsay's perfectly curated and controlled life anymore. And I really just started listening. You know, women wanted more of that conversation. So we committed to doing a second one that following year. And then we just had our third annual event this past September in Phoenix. And I mean, had you told me five years ago that this is what I would be doing and focusing my time on, I just wouldn't have believed it. And that's kind of going back to that point of, I think it's great to have plans. I mean, it even says that in the Bible, right? It's great to have plans, but to really surrender it ultimately to the one whose plans are always going to be better. Yeah. So you also, uh, you guys have to follow Lindsay on social media. She's the best (laughs) because she definitely shows you like real life behind the scenes stuff, which I love. She's not one of those who's like, look at me, I'm perfect and all the things. She's just, I love the behind the scenes stuff. You got to do an international event. Yeah. Again, never planned. (laughs) So this is the crazy thing that happens is You know, when you step into something that is bigger than you, I think, you know, the biggest, craziest ideas that are put on our hearts are are put there for a reason and they're not about us. They're 100% about who we will serve. And that's the most confronting part because again, that imposter syndrome wants to say, well, who am I to do something like this? And truly like Lindsay as a person, like I'm not really all that special. I'm literally just like you. I have my own set of of skills and talents and a passion for creating community. And we were just doing that within our own community. And I have, these are all things that like, when I look back, I could never have orchestrated this. Like, it's just so not me. I just was willing to step into the next thing, the next little breadcrumb on the path that kind of made me step back and be like, yeah, why not? So we had just had our second event in 2018 and through a different event that happens locally in Phoenix, had met a friend who lives in the Dominican Republic. She's from the DR and is a doctor and just this amazing woman. And she said, okay, how do we bring this here? And I was like, what do you you mean? And it just became, there's a question that, and we use this all the time within Powerhouse Women. If you've been to an event, you know, we love to do this exercise called unicorn brainstorming. And unicorn brainstorming is all about getting out of what you think is even possible and just really asking the question using the prompt of, wouldn't it be cool if? Because wouldn't it be cool if doesn't say, well, is this possible? Does it make sense? All those logical things that our mind wants to use to kill our dreams. So I've really adopted this and just said, so when someone brings an idea to my attention, just sitting back and going like, huh, well, okay, wouldn't it be cool if we could bring an event to her community, take it internationally and, you know, pay for our travel and have it not cost anything. Like, I don't really need to make money off of it, but like, wouldn't it be cool if we got to travel, do an event and like get a free vacay out of it? 
And so we just started to step into, well, okay, what would that look like? And you know, what would it, what would it entail? And at the same time, I had a friend who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, kind of say the same thing. And these women were showing up around me and my, this is like the way my brain works. I'm always like, well, why don't you guys start something? I'll share everything that I did, like literally just copy what I did. Why don't you start your own thing? And it was a point where a good friend of mine, I was having that exact conversation with her and she said, Lindsay, don't you get it? We want to be a part of this vision. We want to be a part of what you're doing. And it was the first time that I really stepped back and again, just kind of went, okay, whoa, I'm trying to keep this small because I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what that looks like. So we said yes to last year testing the first ever events in other places besides Phoenix where I live. And we just called it the powerhouse women event on tour. And we did, we took it to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we did our first international event in the Dominican Republic, which also was in another language. It was all in Spanish, which I didn't know was going to happen until I got there. But you know, it's like when it's not about you, it just makes you so much more willing to surrender and be like, cool. All right. Okay. I'm going to have a translator. Great, because I have not dusted off my Spanish since about college. So again, this is all to say, like, this is not how cool Lindsay is. This really is how cool God is when you surrender your bigger plans to his. And I think my fear was always that he might call me to do something that I really don't want to do. Like, call me to do mission work in Africa when I don't feel like that's actually on my heart to do. But I think what I learned is the way he calls us into these bigger things is by putting certain interests and passions on our heart. And yeah, sometimes it forces you to get uncomfortable and step outside what you think you're capable of. But it's beautiful just to see how he's even given us so many opportunities to minister to other women who really are looking for hope, you know, through this entity called Powerhouse Women. Even though it's not explicitly faith-based, it's Holy Spirit inspired and breathed on every level. And just even being able to see his hand in that. And that was actually something that really was clear when we took it to the Dominican Republic is just how important that conversation is in that market. And that women in every country need to know they're not meant to do this alone and that there are like-minded women who want to support them. We aren't meant to do life alone. And it's like, that's what everyone's doing because they're hiding behind their computers and they're alone and the loneliest people on the planet right now because of social media. And so I know you talk about this a lot, but like events, people are begging for the community. They are dying to get around people who are like-minded or that they want to be surrounded by. And so this is the time to either create an event or go to an event and meet like-minded people so that you can get filled up and gain that hope because that is what people are begging for. And even podcasting, you know, people are getting hope from podcasting, but it's lonely. They are wanting to meet the people. And so you're doing just that. You're creating this space for women to come and be themselves and learn how to step into who they are and what God has for them. But what you did, why don't you share a little bit? Because people are like, well, how did she just like, you know, do this? You did invest in yourself. So why don't you kind of share like what and why investing in yourself is so important? Yeah, this was really a challenge for me and it didn't come easily. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that I never feel fully ready to make financial investments at the point of making them. But I actually recorded a podcast about this just recently. Like, I wish I could sit back and tell everyone that I've just been naturally motivated and willing to get uncomfortable. But I know myself well enough to know unless I am creating massive accountability for myself, I'm going to quit when it gets really uncomfortable and really challenging. And accountability for me has to hurt specifically in my bank account. Like I've got to be so all in, meaning I've hired a coach, I've invested financially, I've invested in a mastermind, or when it gets uncomfortable, I was going to quit on myself. And the two times like specifically that come to mind, first and foremost, when I wrote the book, I joined a 16 week webinar program. It was like a couple thousand dollars at that point, the most I'd ever invested in myself in one shot. And it gave me just enough structure and accountability to actually start writing and get far enough along in the journey that when after the 16 weeks was over, it wasn't like the book was finished. I still had like eight months of writing, but I was far enough along that I had a little bit of confidence that I could do it. 
I just remember there were such pivotal times throughout that journey that I would logically come up with this really great reason for why I shouldn't finish this book right now, which essentially was me quitting. But I would have this very politically correct way of saying like, oh, it's just not a good time. You know, you, this is never a good time to write a book. Let me tell you, like it is never, ever a good time. It's never convenient. So I would get to these points where I was really pressing up against like being uncomfortable. So instead my mind would go to work to find a logical reason to quit. And I remember being so pissed because then I would remember that I had invested this money. And the last thing I wanted to do was like go to my husband and say, Hey, you know that like $2,000 we invested in me doing this program. Yeah, I'm just not going to finish it. Now he probably wouldn't have even been as upset as I would have been with myself, but it was just knowing that like I was committed to a level that I couldn't just walk away from and still feel okay with myself. And honestly, that was what led to me even completing the book. And to this day, I'm actually the only person from that initial group who's published a book because it takes something like it really takes getting over yourself. And then just this last year, like really starting to feel like I was ready to be challenged at another level and joining a business mastermind. I mean, it was like an investment bigger than the cost of my car. And honestly, like the mastermind itself, or if you hire a coach, like the key is it's never on that person or that program to change your life. But putting myself on the line that much, it literally forces a different version of me to show up. And it's ugly and it's messy. And a lot of times there's tears, but every single time I've bet on myself, a bigger version of myself gets to show up and I get to see what I'm really capable of. And I wish I could create that kind of accountability just on my own. It would have saved me thousands of dollars. But for me, that's the only thing that has actually moved the needle. And every time I was so not ready, like on paper, it did not make sense to make that investment. But I mean, just for example, the business mastermind indirectly through that experience opened up just a chain of events and an opportunity that will 10x my investment in that mastermind. Now, I didn't know that that was going to happen until literally almost a full year was up. I was doubting like, gosh, did I make the right choice? Did I really get everything out of this? So it's not like you get like the immediate return on your investment, but when you're willing to go all in on yourself and say, I am worth it, my dreams are worth this, I think that's actually when the best things show up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, that is something though, that I think people don't do. They don't bet on themselves and they're like, eh, I don't want to have any skin in the game. And that's why I think it's so important. So when you've talked about and other podcasters have talked about, you know, investing in yourself and why you shouldn't do a discount. I think you talked about it with discounting event tickets. The right people are going to show up who are going to put the skin in the game. And those are the people you want to be around. Instead of like, oh, I got a free ticket or I got a discount. I'm expecting a discounted ticket. Now that's not, it's not bad, but you are going to be rubbing shoulders with the people who are willing to put that money up front, like a Tony Robbins event and things like that. But like you said, that event, like even a Tony Robbins event, you could get zero out of it. It is what you put into it. And I love that you said you invested this amount of money. So you're like, I better, you know, do the things like, it's just, it's what is keeping you accountable. And I just love that. I think it's so important and not enough people do it, whether it's therapy, skin in the game for therapy, investing in their mental care, whether it is a physical, a trainer for a show or something, an expert helping you or getting around other experts is so critical. Yeah. And so true. And again, I've never felt ready. So even now I'm like, gosh, what's next for me? I'm getting a little too comfortable at the level I'm at. And so deep down, I'm like, dang it. Like, I don't want to get uncomfortable again. I really don't. No part of like my core really wants to get uncomfortable, but it's also like the most thrilling. It's like being at the top of the roller coaster, ready to go down and like experience that rush and that thrill. I just know that that's where the best things are waiting for me. So there will definitely be another even bigger next level investment in 2020 because that's the only way I know I'm going to keep going on the trajectory that I'm going. Because if I, I mean, when I say we're not meant to do this alone, it goes deeply from my core that I believe that it is essential to put ourselves in a position to learn from people who've been where we want to be. Like you can figure it out on your own to a certain extent. 
but why? Why, when you can buy some of your time back by hiring someone, paying to mentor with someone, or bartering your way to finding out how to duplicate what someone else has already had success with? And I think that's the other key to my success is like I am willing to put it all on the line to learn from someone who's done what I want to do. And I'm not afraid at all like to go all in on something like that. And I think people are waiting to feel ready, waiting till you have like, I'm not a big believer in like going into debt or like throwing something on a credit card. If you don't have a way to like pay that off, that's not what I'm saying, but you got to be ruthless. Like if you know you you're ready to hire coaching and you're like, gosh, okay, I don't see the money in my bank account. Like that's where I'm at right now. I want to do this next mastermind. That's closer to $50,000. Like, that's more money than I've ever spent on anything. So instead of going like, oh gosh, I don't have that sitting in a bank account, asking myself like, okay, you're a smart girl. What are 10 to 25 ideas that you could generate additional cash flow right now? And I literally created a one day event, just put it up on social media. And just in the time we've been talking today, made a thousand dollars by something, people buying tickets for this thing that I thought to create. And that didn't come easily. That has come from knowing that I'm able to create new revenue anytime I want has come from investing in myself and putting myself around people who live that kind of life. So if that's a new conversation, don't get caught up in that. Start with investing in yourself at whatever level feels uncomfortable and challenging and like it's going to stretch you. So maybe that's attending an event where you buy like $300 event ticket to sit in a room with other people who are doing what you want to do. Then maybe from there, it's seeking out a coach and, or joining a group coaching program. Usually those are like a lower investment. You don't have to go all into the point where it's actually going to paralyze you. And you don't want to be like, oh, I can't pay my mortgage if I do this thing. I never ask myself the question, can I afford it? It's always, how can I? Always. And you want to know what? I will always come up with a way. Ask my husband. <laughs> I love it. And your husband is so supportive of you, like with whatever you do. It's so He's cute. Best. He's like the bodyguard and I just love seeing it. <laughs> so is. about being resourceful really quick, I have two questions for you, but what are some ways that you've seen women or you know, maybe personally that besides like the thousand dollars for a coaching thing, but share with us some things that people can do to afford some sort of a mastermind or maybe this event that we'll talk about coming up. But what are some tips that you have that people can do? Oh my gosh. I'm like, where to even just start? So <laughs> It's literally just a matter of how. The biggest thing I can say as far as getting resourceful is to do the exercise where you literally sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, how? How can I generate an additional, whatever it is, $5,000, $10,000 in the next 90 days? And you literally start writing, you number the page and you don't stop writing until, I mean, honestly, the more ideas you can write, the better. I usually say at least 25, go all the way to 50 if you want, because your mind isn't, is going to immediately come up with like the obvious things. I could sell things on Craigslist. I could sell things on Facebook marketplace. I could, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But after that point, it really starts to come up with more creative solutions. So, you know, it really kind of depends. I think from like making the bigger investment, like when I did the business mastermind, it wasn't a matter of like, we had the money physically in our bank account but it was set aside for something else. So I actually had to sit down with a business plan for how I was going to generate that much and more from this experience. So what was I committed to, again, not putting pressure on this mastermind or the people in it to teach me, what was I committed to using this experience to gain such that I was going to monetize and get my investment back and then some. So I think it's kind of both sides. Like if it's a matter of, of just the the cash, um, stop eating out, sell the clothes you don't wear. Like I've made so much money on Facebook marketplace. It's ridiculous. I also own a lot of Lululemon. So that's, that stuff tends to like sell really well, but you can, I bet you can go through your home and find things that you aren't using that other people would find valuable and start a little fund that way. Um, think about what services, you know, you can offer people. Are you great at graphic design? Could you offer to help someone part-time as like a virtual assistant to 
find a way to create extra cash flow around your schedule, around what you're already doing without having to necessarily go out and get a, like a typical job. You're looking for something that like you still control your time and your, you know, you can control the calendar of, and then on the smaller side of things, looking for ways to like barter, or if you want to get in the room at a really cool event, find out what they need. Do they need volunteers? Do you know how to take photos and maybe they want some free photography? Do they want someone to be like going around at the event and documenting it all on Instagram stories? So find out what that event host or what that team needs and offer to be that just to get yourself in the room. There are literally infinite number, an infinite number of ways that you can offer value to get yourself around the kind of people who are going to be thinking at that bigger level. But then eventually it's got to come to a point where, especially if you're always in the conversation of, I can't afford that, that's the first place you've got to look is there's a reason why you're staying in that pattern. And I only know because that was me for a long time. I was waiting for it to feel comfortable for me to invest versus looking at it from the standpoint of like, what am I going to gain from this experience that's then going to give me the tools that I need and the connections and the resources to go out and generate 10 times that much? Like literally, if you are putting yourself in the room with people who actually know how to do what you want to do, you should be able to generate at least double your money back in most situations. Wow. That's so good. And I, hopefully that helped a lot of people with whatever has been holding them back. I always hear this in my head. People are resourceful. If they really want it, they're going to make it happen. They're so resourceful. 100%. Yeah. So like if you do, if you have a life coaching background and you like do one coaching webinar, like you said, and have people invest 50 bucks for the webinar because they're going to get X, Y, and Z from you is a quick way to make cash, but you're offering value, something that they're missing. (laughs) So something that you can do to make that, to invest in yourself. My question for you is, I don't, do you have perfectionist tendencies or are you not a perfectionist? Oh, 100%. Okay. You need (laughs) please to speak. I know there are women out there who are like, Oh, I'm getting ready to get ready to get ready. And I'm doing all Um, of the personal development things. And I know all the things, but they will not move. Mm-hmm. Help, help them stop being paralyzed. Tell them what to do. Oh, I'm Lord. not a perfectionist, so. Oh, wow. What is that like? That is fascinating to me. Yeah, I would definitely say perfectionist tendencies or wanting to feel ready for sure kept me playing small. It's the silliest thing, but the quote that I kept repeating to myself over and over and over again while I was writing the book was that done is better than perfect. The other thing, and this might help you too, like at that point in my life, I think I was like 33 when I wrote the book or something, I had had a laundry list of other ideas that I had started but not finished or maybe never started at all because I didn't feel ready. I didn't think I knew enough. One of those was actually starting a podcast. The room that I'm in, in that closet, there is like old podcast equipment that never got used. I mean, now I have like new stuff since I did start a podcast, but for me, it really helped to say, okay, Lindsay, like you want to quit right now, but you know what it looks like if you quit, you've quit on other things, other big ideas that you really felt called to do. So just like, what if, what could happen if you actually follow through with this one and just allow something to be done, maybe not perfect. And that was enough to keep me writing along with the accountability piece. Again, I think the best way to bust through perfection is hire a coach that's like not going to let you play that game. But the biggest thing was just thinking of all of the dreams that were piled up waiting for me to ever finish them because I was waiting to be ready. But then I'm going to share this quick story because this will, it'll make you laugh. It'll make some of you cringe because because you can probably feel me on this. So I literally like wrote a chapter in the book about perfectionism because that was like something I really had to overcome. And I will never forget on launch day, we had this whole like launch strategy lined up to get the book onto the Amazon bestseller list. And we did, it was super exciting. It was like number two under new releases in women in business. And it was like, someone else's book, mine. And then like Ivanka Trump's book was number three. And I still have the screenshot to this day. You know, it's like, it's a real time ranking. So then of course it like dropped off the next day, but I have the screenshot. It happened. And I remember the phone ringing and it was my editor slash publisher 
dear friend. And I thought she was calling to congratulate me. And instead she said, Lindsay, I'm sick to my stomach. And I was like, is this a personal problem or what's, what's happening? And she said, I just realized there's a typo on the cover of your book. Now, this book had been, I paid thousands of dollars to have it professionally edited. My editor and like the main editor, and then it went through other people's eyeballs too, is a like PhD in English. Like these are, it was not like we just published this out of my, like the back of my car. It was like a professionally published book. And somehow in the subtitle, the subtitle was how to get out of your own way, fulfill your unique purpose and live a powerful life. And the word fulfill had an extra L. So, you know, like when you look at something like so many times, it's like easy to miss. And so here's what happened in that moment. Of course, it was like a shock at first. I think she felt worse than I did. And it was this cool moment where I actually got to see my own growth in this area. Because if I really believed that done is better than perfect, and if this really was not about me, then number one, I was going to have an awesome story to tell on podcasts just like this. But I saw that in that moment, I could either choose to allow this news, which I couldn't change, couldn't change it. This is where we were at. There's an extra L that I could allow the news to completely steal all the joy I felt in that moment, to completely take away the feeling of accomplishment, having done it, like done the thing I was so freaking scared to do. Or I could laugh at myself and just consider this like now a collector's item because there are 200 copies somewhere in the world with a, a spelling error. And there's probably other spelling errors inside. If you find them, don't tell me because I don't care. But at the end of the day, I mean, that book came out just a little over two years ago. And that imperfect book has made a huge difference in people's lives because I was willing to put it out there. Even I thought it was perfect, even though it turned out not to be perfect, but just to realize that people don't want my perfection. They are going to be far more inspired, far more encouraged by the imperfect parts of my journey. And so it was probably the coolest lesson to learn and the coolest way to learn it. And I truly do just like get to laugh about it. And it makes a great story when I speak on stage. <laughs> so, but I wish I, I can remember being that girl who was like so paralyzed by things needing to be perfect. So it's going to feel terrible. It's just going to feel terrible to push forward and like really give up that notion that anything will ever truly be perfect. I still, I actually can't read my own book because there's things I would change about it. I can't do it, but I just let it be out there. I let it be out there in its imperfect form and just trust that. And I, I literally, my prayer is just that it falls into the hands of the woman who needs to hear it. And then I just release from there. That's all you can do. And I, oh gosh, I hope people are so inspired by what you just said, because <laughs> there are so many good women and men, but good women who are not stepping out into what they need to step out in because of fear of something like that. And it's like, hello, we're all human. What did you expect? You wanted it to be all pretty and perfect. And like, it's not, we are all human and that makes it more relatable. And I want, like, I want to like, I know you're my best friend now. Like, oh, you get me. You know, it's just more on yeah. this level of like, okay, we have to stop putting people on a pedestal, like number one, even like the people on stage, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You're all, like the girl who wanted different people on stage. Those women who were on there were supposed to be on there for the, the stories that were supposed to be shared for the people in the room. And it's just like, everyone has this voice. Why are we putting someone else above whoever? Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's so beautiful that there was that mistake. Like but yeah. was it a mistake? Like, that's the thing is like, I, you know what? I think there was a plan. God had a plan for that just for you to be like, Hey, guess what girlfriend? You're not perfect. And you never will be. And so don't try, don't keep trying to be, you know, yeah. and to inspire other women to step out and to speak on stage. Like, I actually want to hear if you have any, Oh, like messy speaking on stage things or any, like with your events, planning your events, like any really messy, like, Oh crap things that have happened to inspire others to say, wow, well, if she can do that and she had a hundred people and 200 and they're going to have 300, like if she can do that and she did those things, I can do this. So is there any other like messy stuff? Well, there's probably way too many 
to, we could just like do a whole other podcast about all of the mistakes. But for whatever reason, this is what popped into my mind. Now, I consider myself pretty comfortable now being interviewed or speaking on stage. However, one thing I cannot control is my body's natural response that when I get a little bit flustered, I turn bright red, like my whole like chest and my neck turns bright red. It just does. I'll never forget like my first time going on Facebook Live, I just turned fully red, but I did it anyway. And just this last September, right, it was like the day or two before Powerhouse Women, I went on the morning show and was doing an interview. I thought it went awesome. I felt amazing. I was well-spoken. And I come off set and the guy taking off my microphone goes, did you like break out in hives or something? I thought you were going to go down. And I was like, seriously, dude? And apparently, because I turned bright red, I was wearing like this yellow dress, which really offset the redness. It was like a very cute look. Side note, I should probably wear a turtleneck next time when I go on TV, even if it's in the dead of summer. There's so many like experiences like that or where I'll get off stage and I'll realize I totally didn't say anything that I had planned to, but I just have to trust that again, like everything you said, like my realness, my humanness is actually the best tool that I have to impact another person's life that great. I turn bright red. And there've been other important speaking engagements where people are probably totally distracted by this girl who's turning red and looks like she's going to pass out. Even though I feel fine, it looks like a hot mess, but I'm going to get up and do it anyway, because why the hell not? If I just wait till the day that I'm not going to turn red, I can't control it anyway. So I just rock it now. And I proudly show off my beet red chest. <laughs> I love it. I remember you posting stories and I was like, oh my goodness. But oh my gosh, he was such an awkward human. Like who says that? Who, what say, male says that? At least say good job first and then be like, by the way, yeah, a little sandwich, make it a little I sandwich. Know, know. He didn't. Um, what no. makes me think of is Jennifer Lawrence walking up to get her like award and she falls flat on her face. Yeah. Just so human about it. She probably was embarrassed. I know, but like she has humor. And so she's just, that's why we love her. I'm like, you're just so real. And I love your personality. Okay. I have a few quick questions for you. So please tell us all about event love. Like I want, you guys need to go follow number one, follow Lindsay on social media. And she's going to tell you how to contact her, how to get to this event, but just tell us why we need to get to this event, who it's for, what it's about. Just tell us everything. Yeah. So a few months ago, um, it was earlier this year, I was sitting and having coffee with a girlfriend and just really talking about what was next for powerhouse women and what I was noticing women in my community asking for. And one of those was seeing so many women and men, I'm sure, but women in our community feeling called to create in-person live experiences. And it really goes back to what we were saying earlier that we're in this interesting time where people are more connected digitally than ever before, but especially entrepreneurs, or it doesn't even have to be, it could be stay-at-home moms, anyone. We feel lonelier than ever. We actually feel more disconnected than ever, which is so not a match. So I think that there's this interesting trend where there's this return to the simpler things, like connecting with human beings live and in person. And I'm a big believer that if you're feeling called to create something, whether it's a podcast, a book, an event, a business, you're feeling that call because there is a greater need in the world that you have skills to be able to make an impact in that need. And so it was this interesting trend of seeing so many women around me feel really called to create events. And these could be events of any size, workshops, retreats, masterminds, a one-day event like Powerhouse Women, all different sizes, but these beautiful visions to bring people together to share stories and make an impact. And so I was sharing this with my girlfriend, Lori Harder, that some of you might know. And she said, you know, same. I've had so many women ask about how we started the Bliss Project, which is her weekend retreat. And she started to share this idea that she had thought of, but never really took action on of, you know, what would it look like if we actually had a place to connect these women with, where they could not only learn how to become a more confident speaker, What do you do when your chest starts turning beet red and you're in the middle of a talk? Like, do you freak out or how do you keep going? What do you do if you feel overwhelming anxiety at the thought of getting up in front of people, but you can't deny the fact that you feel like you're supposed to? 
And how do you facilitate life-changing, transformational events, much like the ones that I'm sure, if you're feeling that call, you've probably attended an event that changed your life. So how do we support women in learning all the things that really make an event top-notch? Like not just some little like run-of-the-mill, like thanks for coming, but like an actual transformational experience. But then on the flip side, how do we teach them how to make this a real business? Because the other thing that we both are seeing is so many women in our circles are going all in on creating these huge events, expecting that they're going to sell hundreds of tickets only to sell maybe a third or half of what they expected and then be tens of thousands of dollars in debt at the end. That is not, your dream can't become an expensive hobby or you're never going to continue. You're going to give up and you're not going to make the impact that you're meant to make. So we played a little unicorn brainstorming. Wouldn't it be cool if something existed that could both give that confidence in public speaking, teach people how to pitch themselves as speakers at an event, at other people's events, or teach them how to pitch themselves to podcasts and get their message out there? And then how do we teach them how to create an actual, sustainable, and profitable business out of it? So we sat back, we actually did some research to see what was out there, and nothing exists. It just doesn't. And it was that moment where we both kind of said, well, if no one else is going to do this, then we are. And so we created the first ever event certification program where you're going to spend five days in person with Lori Harder and I and both of our teams with a really intimate group of women. So we have about 40 women registered right now, and we're only taking 60, depending on the time that you like listen to this. So nowhere else do Lori or I work as hands-on in person for that many days. There's just no other place. But we wanted to create essentially a boot camp to set people up to have these wildly profitable and successful events in 2020. So we're having this certification and training boot camp in January. So the second week of January in Phoenix, and it's live and in person for those five days because this is going to be completely immersive, meaning we're not just going to like give you this laundry list and teach you how to speak and then say like, good luck. You're going to be pushed out of your comfort zone on a daily basis. You're going to have practice interacting and facilitating and leading meditations and sharing your story in front of the room, in front of your peers, because we want to create the experience that anchors you in the fact that you can do this and the fact that you are fully capable and supported in, in leading this work. So if we could do that on a podcast, if we could like download all this information in a training or an e-course, we would, but we know that getting people in the room in person for five days is actually going to set them up for success. So that's happening in January. And like I said, depending on when people listen to this, we might actually be sold out. There's only a few more weeks left to register. I think the registration cuts off like mid December and that's the last chance to get in. So um, if it's something that people are interested in, of course, like they can reach out to us. They can even book a 15 minute call with me just to like talk it through and see if it's a good fit. But all that info is just at eventlove.com and it's loved spelled L-U-V. So eventlove.com. And we don't know if we're doing this again. Both Lori and I have other businesses. This is like a, a one-time collaboration to just really support the next generation of female leaders and, and people who are doing this work. And we would love to believe that we'll have space to do it again, but I honestly don't know if we will. So if this is resonating with anyone, really like time is now. This is your next leap. If this is making everything within you stand up and scream, yes, like that is me. I know I'm meant for more. I know I'm meant to speak and lead and facilitate. Then we've got you, girl. I love it. And I think it's so critical. This is not a podcast. This is not a course. It is hands-on and you have to do the thing. Yeah. And like you're implementing the thing at the event and learning and getting critiqued. And I think that is so, so critical in growth. And so I'm just, I, when I heard about it, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Holy moly. Incredible. It's going to be amazing. It really is. And actually I realize in three minutes, I have a call with someone for event love. So this okay. has just been so much fun. I think yeah. we could talk literally for days. All day. Thank <laughs> you so much, Lindsay, for your time. Before we jump off, what advice would you give to any woman right now? Like what's one quick tip of advice? Oh my goodness. Okay. So the biggest, like just blanket general statement that I can say is that you were created with a purpose. 
You just were. And you don't have to do anything about that purpose. It's really up to you. You have free will. You have the choice. But what if by stepping out and sharing your story, what if by starting to lean into your gifts, you could make a positive impact on just one other life? I promise you that that kind of life is going to be the most joyful, fulfilling, incredible life than you can imagine. And I'll just really cap it off with the reminder that we remind our community all the time that you are not meant to do this alone. I love it. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time and have a good day. Thank you. You're the best. Love you. Bye. See ya. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. I love hearing from you guys. Tag me on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave me a review and tell us what you love most about this podcast. Don't forget to send this episode to someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. I love adding value to all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. It means the world to me.